0: Hey, everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, is Steve. Woo! And today we are on the fourth part of our read through of Sycorax's Daughters. Possibly
1: the penultimate part. Actually, it is the penultimate part.
0: Today we're going to cover five stories. Uh, once again, this is an anthology of dark fiction and poetry by African American women. It's been a great anthology so far.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, even like the 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 weaker stories were still great stories, mm-hmm. which you don't get a lot of in anthologies. Sometimes you know you usually get a nice little range of like you know at best one or two really great stories, uh, a number of good stories, and then a few clunkers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, this has been like
0: all really good stories to great stories. If you're on the fence about buying this book. There's a little something of everything. This runs the gamut of of speculative fiction.
1: Yeah. There's been uh like you know, modern fantasy, science fiction,
0: um horror. Yeah. And even even the the weird tale.
1: Yeah, the only thing we really haven't encountered so far is like straight up J.R.R. Tolkien style, you know, or or Robert E. Hyre. Hi- Howard style um, fantasy, mm-hmm. like with elves and shit.
0: All right. So let's uh, jump right into it. First segment is Rise by Nicole Gibbons Kurtz. Rise is the story of a, of, of a brother and sister who are making their way across um, what's left of the United States to Phoenix, Arizona, which is this kind of utopian society.
1: Right. It's supposed to, to
0: provide sanctuary for everyone.
1: As as long as you meet the criteria.
0: Mm-hmm. But it is a an experiment in a socialist utopia of sorts. Everybody has what they need. They're given a house, a place to live. So there's no homeless population. Uh, you have your food rations. You have everything is provided. Right. And it doesn't matter who you are. You just come in Try to establish yourself, and they make it easy for you to do that. It is a sanctuary city. Yes. Our main characters, brother and sister duo. Uh, The older sister is a pyrokinetic. She can control and create fire just by thinking about it. And the brother is a shapeshifter. He's a werefox.
1: Yeah, I guess that's probably the best way to put it, because he doesn't have any control over it.
0: Mm, um, he has to take a special serum so he doesn't transform. Right.
1: And, and, and you know, it hints at that they were um, lab experiments, mm-hmm. and they had escaped violently from um, this lab in captivity.
0: And they run across a man called... The Gringo. The Gringo. And he's uh, a bounty hunter.
1: Yeah, and he's, a, he's also another uh, pyrokinetic, right? hmm He apparently has been tracking them down.
0: Mhm. Runs across from early in the story, and then we get to we get to Phoenix, and there's a final confrontation, and it's a very tense sequence. Right. And we're not yeah. going to tell you how it ends. Right.
1: Now, did you like the little? She put a little nod to uh, Stephen King in there that you probably didn't get because you don't read Stephen King. Correct. Um. So, uh, right when they get, right after they get to Phoenix. The first line of, of this section is uh, "Trixie crossed into Phoenix proper, and the man in the cloak didn't follow," which is totally a nod to the opening line of uh, "The Gunslinger," which is mm-hmm. uh, "The Gunslinger across the desert," and the, or "The Man in Black across the desert," and the Gunslinger followed. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice little nod to to the Gunslinger,
0: one of one of my favorite King books it had it the opening of the entire opening of the story had that kind of vibe to it,
1: yeah, yeah, it and, totally did
0: you know they're they're on a deserted back road in the middle of nowhere and they come across this old abandoned church, yeah,
1: which you know is is kind of it's kind of a, a trope for this kind of story mm-hmm. um, so but it definitely King used that as well. You know that that feel, so it's nice that she that she put that in there. Maybe it was like a little jab, but it, it was kind of cool mm-hmm. having that in there.
0: I think there's also a bit of an, an X Men reference going on too with these uh, empowered in, individuals. This being like part of their genetics, and they're going to Phoenix, which is a sanctuary city. So right. it's almost kind of like Genosha.
1: There's several p- points in here where uh, the. The, the meaning of the story is played with. You have Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix is obviously, there. they're known for rising from the ashes. Mm-hmm. Um, her, her and her brother are trying to rise above their past, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing.
0: Rise above, rise above the prejudices that are placed upon them. Right. And the sister, Trixie, as a pyrokinetic, takes a little bit of that Phoenix symbolism as well. Right to heart,
1: because, you know, the, uh, the other thing, it's ashes. Phoenix bursts into flame, and that's from their mm-hmm.
0: own ashes. And and she bursts into flame herself. Now, one of the interesting things I found about the side effects of her powers is, is that her fire actually burns her skin. Yes. She doesn't necessarily feel it, but there is an effect to it.
1: That And she's not immune to fire, either. Uh, because the gringo... Was
0: also a pyrokinetic
1: and fought fire with fire, if that makes any sense.
0: Yes. Well, he fights everything with fire. Right. But in this case, he was fighting fire with fire. Lovely tale to open up this section. Yes. Uh, next up, we have Of Sound Mind and Body by K. Series Wright. And now we've gone from a post apocalypse superhero kind of story to a high tech espionage thriller.
1: Yeah, it's a like a cyberpunk spy thriller.
0: Mhm. Spy funk to use Milton Davis's term. Well, It also had kind of that that Philip K Dick identity theme going on. Yeah, so so
1: her the big thing was and it's another one of those uh what 5 minutes into the future things. Yeah. You know, there's just enough technology to just tweak the familiar a little.
0: Mhm. But but it's still kind of familiar. Right. So you have implants that essentially project a database or, or information. You can do everything you can do with a smartphone is now plugged into your head.
1: And um, there's a, I guess it must be experimental, mm-hmm. where she is able to morph. <laughs> yes, to, to any any person on a but, cellular level, right? Because of her implants. And uh, you know the whole. She's a spy, and she's trying to uh, get information on trade talks that are coming up, and she's in in deep cover.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the way she does this is by literally becoming another person, uh, physically yes. and mentally. And the story is really about the strain
0: that yeah that, that takes on you. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a painful physical process because right. she's actually. Commanding her DNA to essentially rewrite itself within minutes. Right.
1: Um, and, and you're right. It does have that Philip K. Dick uh, flavor from like Scanner Darkly, where mm-hmm. your physical form, I mean, what you see in the mirror is so ingrained into who you identify yourself as that um, she starts to kind of lose a little bit of, of who she is and she has
0: to remind herself truthfully we don't even know how much of that is her actual identity mm, that's true that's one of the fun things about the story is is that while she is being slowly driven insane by this having to transform into really separate people her cover are two distinct identities
1: oh yeah most definitely and uh, the fact that we get dropped in in the middle of it all Mm-hmm. Um, so that you're right, we don't know where it began. We don't know who her original identity really is. I mean, you kind of make assumptions,
0: right? That the identity we're introduced to is her her core identity, and then go from and build from there, right? But you know, there's there's nothing to say that in, in this type of by world that the identity that she's currently portraying at the beginning of the story is who she really is. Exactly. And like I said, she's slowly kind of being driven insane. She has to get up and reinforce the identity that she's occupying.
1: Yeah. I mean, she has to, like, go in the mirror and at the risk of her own cover. It's just enough in the future that there's surveillance. Mm-hmm. Um, you never know who's listening at any at any given point. And then, and then her own agency, you know, has spies within the spy network.
0: Mm-hmm course they're keeping tabs on her because she's experimental she has right. all these all this experimental wetware
1: yeah that that's why I, to me it was more of a like a cyber thing mm-hmm. um wh- that is a, also a spy story instead of just straight up like a milton story in black power mm-hmm. which was just a straight up spy thriller
0: yeah, it was an excellent story, and really, we didn't spoil the end of Rise because you know this is this is a climax that you really have to have to read for yourself, and the same with this one. I mean, we're we're only covering us half the story when Ms. Wright gets to the point where things really are rolling, and the shit hits the fan. The shit really hits the fucking fan, right?
1: Well, and then there's also like the subtext, which is um, part of the epilogue, mm-hmm. where. You really question um, anybody's identity because people are so malleable and are able to uh, switch their identity on a dime as it suits them.
0: The the very last little couple paragraphs of the story, she introduces a tease of yet another fantastic piece of technology that makes things worse. Yeah, that that makes for just... A great read. Really kind of catching that that science fiction itch. Next up is Asunder by Laurie Titus. I really like this story. Yeah, this this one has like a really nice little bit of world building, the magical realism element. Kind of a cautionary tale. Very much with great power comes great responsibility, sort of sort of message going on here. A story of a young lady. She is from a town in South Carolina. Small town and everybody there it it's like magic and folkways and our second nature they it's 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 a given and the rest of the out to the rest of the outside world it's just superstition and this sort of thing but she knows it's real right so you have you have this kind of magical realism thing going on where the world is the world as we know it today and there's just that one little slice of magic that just rests on top, right? And you know, there's an isolated community that deals with it, right? Kind of like Pugmire. Kind of. Our main character is having man trouble. Uh, her, her boyfriend is unfaithful, right? And he's so dreamy. And he's so he's so dreamy. He's he's, he's a good catch. Yeah,
1: he's the captain of the uh, of the track team.
0: Track capture the track team, he's like a business major, you know, he's managing a
1: sporting goods
0: store.
1: He's 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 going places. Yes.
0: But he's got a little bit of a wild streak. Our main character can perceive the human aura. Yes. You know, people can affect other people's auras, and she knows that he's unfaithful because the other woman he's with is affecting his aura right? right
1: so she can detect it's kind of the the psychic version of um, lipstick on the collar
0: yeah kinda and she doesn't really want anything to do with that because you know she knows that you know he's sleeping with this other woman she, he comes back and he's sleeping with her
1: and, and honestly you know if you're if you're in a monogamous relationship, you don't want to be cheated on. Oh no. It's like as simple as that.
0: Yeah. I and
1: mean, no one wants that. So um so I think she's a little, you know, hurt as well.
0: Right. She's a little hurt. And instead of going to her mother, her mother is a wise woman in her hometown and she does potions and charms and things like that. She decides to go to the other witch. Yeah. The witch that everyone says stay away from her. Right
1: the the one that lives in the hut in the woods,
0: mm-hmm. the the kind of Baba Yaga kind of character, right?
1: Whereas her mother is, you know, the the one that gives you the herbal remedies mm-hmm. um, and and will read tea leaves for you and that kind of thing,
0: right? Um, Make you a little gree gree to help you sleep better at night, right?
1: This woman's the one that will, you know, give you the love potion so that you know you're so that there's no. uh Free will involved in your relationship,
0: right? She's she's the lady that gets down the top shelf magic.
1: Yeah, this is she's
0: yeah she's got the uh
1: she she's the 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 voodoo as opposed to the uh, you know the gris Right,
0: she's uh colloquial speaking, but she goes to visit this witch.
1: Yeah, she wants she wants results, and she wants to kind of keep it. Out of, well, yeah, she wants out to keep from her keep mother.
0: down low because her mother, she can't go to. And oh, her mother... Fucking with magic. Right. And she has a natural gift for magic, but her mother never taught her how. You find out that it's because she is a little too powerful. Mm-hmm. She's uh She's kind of got the the Harry Potter thing going on where... You know, she just kind of can make stuff happen. She's 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 next level.
1: Yeah, and and I guess her mom felt that if if she would embrace the the magicality the side of of her life, that she would become too powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. Fair, which is fair, and not necessarily too powerful, but but possibly become dangerous. Right. Well, yeah, too powerful, dangerous. Same thing. She goes to see this witch. To to work her up a, a love spell, to not harm the other woman, not harm her her boyfriend, but just to simply kind of cut the tie between the two of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Magical breakup.
0: Magical breakup. Just, you know, it's like, look, I don't have any ill will toward her. I don't have any ill will toward him. I just want them apart.
1: Mm, which is weird because uh, does that really happen?
0: I I think that's the way she was trying to frame her intent. Yeah. And I think think that's part of the problem that drives the story, is that she suppressed that. Yeah.
1: Because, you know what? That doesn't really happen like that. Shit don't go down like
0: that. (laughs) With the guidance of this other witch, and not even really the guidance, it just accidentally happens. She ends up casting a far more powerful spell than The other, which was even going to attempt without giving away the ending and all, because it is a really interesting kind of twist, Twilight Zone kind of ending. The spell works. The spell works.
1: It works really well. That lack of animosity, quote unquote, really plays into how the spell works. And it does become kind of a be careful what you wish for
0: because you Mm -hmm. might get it situation. Right. And we don't know exactly what she wished for. She, she did it in a trance where she blacks out. There's a period in the narration that is in the timing of the story right. that is unaccounted for. We don't know exactly what happened. Right. We just know the outcome.
1: And I think we, we know that the other witch got freaked out.
0: Oh, yeah. She got freaked out. She said, honey, it's time for you to go. You can keep your money <laughs> Just get in your car and get out of my house.
1: Yeah, it's it's great because she like checked her wallet, make sure that the other witch didn't roll
0: her. Because that's what she was expecting. I mean, this right. was the evil witch in the woods, right? You know, that's what they do—they rob you mm-hmm. and 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 give you shit that doesn't work. And we get a little bit of a background as to why our character doesn't—you know, wasn't taught magic. It, it raises the question to me, you know, if she does this shit without any training, uh, without any type of guidance or kind of balance and ethical foundation to it, I suppose, what do you think is going to happen? Yes, I agree.
1: Um, especially if you live in a community where magic is natural. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, like you had mentioned, it's kind of like Harry Potter, where you know everyone in this community, um, Chrysalis, South Carolina, everyone knows about magic everyone believes in it they see it day to day it's like part of their lives and and you would think that if somebody was this like innately talented was born that they would um th- they would like make sure that she doesn't go the route of of trying to take over the world right <laughs> or right. or exposing
0: Magic to the muggles or whatever mm-hmm. you know, whatever the bad thing is out there yeah because because her mother her mother's uh path was to just forbid it right
1: and and you would think her mother would know that there's not a there's just enough world building to kind of get you know, to know the situation mm-hmm. and you don't know maybe there's like a prophecy or maybe there's like um some some gnarly really shit happened in the past where somebody with that talent level got trained and mm-hmm. they had to put it, put her down or whatever. And you, right.
0: you, don't, you don't know. Right. You don't. And that's one of the good things about the story is they don't have that kind of old prophecies. And,
1: and yeah. yeah. You know, I'm just using that as an
0: example, right? Evil overlords of the past and stuff like that. Exactly. You just have what you have.
1: Right. And you know, you could answer, you could answer those questions just like we did by coming up with the example. You know, it it could be just the fact that her mom freaked out um, at her power levels and was like, oh, no, we're not... Because you get the impression that she didn't even know she had any magical ability beyond being able to read auras. And it wasn't until she went to the, quote, bad witch when she found out that's A, really rare, and B, really
0: powerful. Right. It's like most folks can't even do that.
1: Yeah, so... You know, you do get a little bit of the of the idea that her mom was probably made a poor decision trying to look out for mm-hmm. her daughter.
0: Yeah, it's almost like her mother has no idea what to do. I mean, yeah, she can make little charms here and there, and and stuff works, but she's not really sure what to do when she's confronted by real power.
1: You, you kind of get the feeling that <laughs> in this world. Uh, the difference between so called white magic and black magic is that uh just you know what your your end result is. You know, it's it's not a question of um of being powered by good, being powered by evil. Uh it's a question of what the person who's practicing it is trying to accomplish. Uh intent. Right. Just like people. Mm-hmm. You know, like people do good things. People do bad things. They're not powered by demons or angels, despite what, you know, people will have you think. We do make our own decisions.
0: Another excellent story. Tale of Eve of Denial by Joy Copeland. This is the one that brought you back home. Literally. Literally. First off, let me just say that this story is lovely. And I don't use the word lovely too often. But this one is. This one is so Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it opens up with Eve is pregnant.
0: Eve is pregnant. Again. She's uh, had at least two abortions. Right. And um, she's trying to
1: get her aunt to pay for a third
0: yeah trying to pony up for a, pony up for a third uh she has to go to Baton Rouge now this is one of the reasons why Steve says this brought me back home uh, because this story takes place in Zachary, Louisiana, which Zachary is is even closer to where I grew up than New Orleans is. Most people just associate me being from southeast Louisiana oh New Orleans because that's the town everybody knows. But I grew up closer to Baton Rouge and Zachary in, in yeah. that area.
1: I looked it up, and it's actually it's yeah, it's it's
0: like right outside of Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. And before I moved back to Maryland, Zachary was one of those spots on my route, so I was used to drive through there all the time. And I'm reading through the story. I you know she mentions Baton Rouge early on, and she starts describing the, the trees with the Uh, the Spanish moss hanging down and I'm like oh this is so familiar to me this is so familiar yeah it was like wow no wonder it was so familiar because it's like right up the road yeah from what I'm used to
1: the the reason why it's called uh, the Tale of Eve of the Nile obviously Mm -hmm. is because her her aunt um, describes her as being fertile as the Nile Valley Mm -hmm. and she didn't even know where the Nile Valley was but she figured it must be somewhere north of Louisiana because she never heard of it. Right. <laughs> that's what we're dealing with. That's who we are dealing with.
0: After not being successful in getting her auntie to pony up the money for another trip to Baton Rouge to the clinic, uh, goes to see the presumed father. Or it was it the sister or the presumed father?
1: Uh oh no, she goes to the presumed you're right. She goes to uh try and get who she thinks to be, the father?
0: Right. Interrupts his poker game. Yeah. Airs at, their dirty laundry right there at, in front of the guys.
1: Slugs juke joint.
0: Yeah. Is
1: that a real place?
0: That's not one I'm familiar with. <laughs> but it sounds like a place I go This is what happens. <laughs> is
1: that? A, do you know such and such?
0: And and if, if Miss Copeland is is from Louisiana, I grew up in Livingston Parish, so. Not not too far away, so she goes and she essentially get you know causes a ruckus at, at during the poker game, right. And and gets the potential father to pony up a hundred bucks. Yeah, because he, he doesn't believe it's him, right? He doesn't believe it's him. So there's and,
1: and honestly, I don't think she really believes it's him. N- no, she he's the most, most likely
0: candidate and most accessible, and, and probably the only one she would rather she would deal with. Yeah. Now, once she once she gets this 100 bucks off of the potential father, she goes to ask her sister. Say, "Hey, you know, hey sis, you know, what what should I do? What should I do?"
1: Now, her sister is kind of the opposite of her. Mm-hmm. Uh also
0: as fertile as the Nile Valley.
1: Yes, but doesn't mind.
0: Right. Uh we go in, she has five children, I believe.
1: Yeah, she's got a she's got quite
0: the the brood going. Right. And she's she's a good Catholic woman. Yep. And so we know their opinions on contraception and abortion and these sorts of things.
1: But it turns out that her sister did um, have an abortion Mm -hmm. in a moment of, of
0: panic. Yes. And she talked to the old lady in the swamp.
1: Now, just as an aside, um, we find out before all this that uh, Eve is not slightly pregnant, but showing pregnant. Right. So she's along. Pr- and and everybody, she's right at the cusp of um, the legal limit mm-hmm. of when you can actually get an abortion. Right. So important to, to the plot later on.
0: Yes, she's told about this this lady in the woods who can you know she mixes up some type of herbal concoction you drink mm. it you spend the night with her you got a miscarriage and, and you have a miscarriage. She's so like, oh well, well um, let me I guess I should try that. I don't have any other option, right? And then that classic kind of you know, horror story kind of way. I have no other option, so yeah, I'm I, going to do this.
1: This is definitely well let it, me let me rephrase told. that.
0: Let me rephrase that because she does have an option. But yeah. It's just not one that's fair to And she's to
1: her. told that option. She's right. told just have the kid and put it up for adoption.
0: Right. Or that, have
1: you a, could even do it out of state if you're afraid of running into the kid later on.
0: Right. Or or have the kid and and have a kid. Right. So you know, yeah. and and neither one of these is palatable to her, right? Because it, it it'll get in the way of her enjoying her life. Mm-hmm. So she journeys out to the to the swamp, right? And meets up with the old old lady out there.
1: Yeah, and this is really where it it, it kind of goes from. Um, I won't say comedy. But like a uh, a comedy of errors, I guess, kind of to to like a Tales from the Dark Side, or even better, Tales from the Crypt,
0: because mm-hmm.
1: it's got that definitely got that tongue and cheek feel to it that you got with Tales Tales uh, from the Crypt.
0: The twist at the end is just so fucking yeah, delicious. Awesome.
1: Yeah, so so she goes to to, to get her herbal remedy. And uh even the even the old wise woman is just like, Do you really want to do this? You're so far along. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't guarantee you'll have any any good results.
0: She's like, hit me. Yeah. <laughs> and the lady's like, Well, you know, I can do it for two hundred bucks. She's like, All I got's a hundred and twenty five.
1: And she rips because she had more
0: apparently. Right. Rips she off. could have paid the two hundred, I think.
1: Yeah. So you you rip off The old wise woman. So when you're done, you can go pick up a a wide mouth.
0: She takes the concoction. That's a witch officer. Sorry, you know, it's kind of funny. um, What's
1: that? I'm I'm just like kind of paging through this. In my notes, um, where Zachary is mentioned, I wrote, Ask Rodney if he is familiar. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) The witch gives her the concoction. She she has just enough left. She's like, yeah, I can give you for a discount price because I already have some and I won't have to make any new, any fresh. Right. Just this preparation, you know, just like take off your pants, put this, you know, sackcloth dress on. Right.
1: And probably has a measure of Eve as well as a person.
0: Mm hmm. Yes.
1: But actually, she definitely has the measure of Eve as a person.
0: That's one of the things about these types of stories with the old lady in the woods is she's always one step ahead of you yeah you don't fuck with the old lady in the woods right I mean you know and and, and you do not you do not try to shirk the payment that is due
1: right now I might try and fuck with the old lady in the woods because you know I'm from up north and we don't have old ladies in the woods but if you grew up in an area that has Old ladies in the woods mm-hmm. should know better.
0: Right. You know, anybody, anybody who's got the mojo, you, you know, you respect. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> the furthest south I've ever lived was Baltimore. And I know you don't fuck with the lady in the woods. Right. You go there, you do your business, you leave.
0: Mm-hmm. And you and you do it honestly and you are polite, you do not be mean to the old lady in the woods. Period. But like you Eve, you don't rip who, her off for $75. Right. Cons are out of you know, just rips her off for $75 and is disrespectful to boot. Yeah.
1: Uh, honestly, she hasn't been uh, respectful for, to anybody. Not okay. to not to the to the aunt who raised her, uh, not to her sister who is giving her genuine advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to the potential father of her son or, or her baby, which, you know, he might have been a schmuck or whatever. But, you know, honestly, you don't throw your laundry out in front of everybody like that. Right. Now, he right. was being kind of a jerk, but, you know, save it for later and give him a, a smack across the face or something.
0: Right. Exactly. I think this is part of the reason why we 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 compare it to Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Dark Side, is that Eve is that kind of character that you're following along, and you know up. that she's going to get a comeuppance.
1: Yeah, you. you, you and want something
0: to happen, right? To her
1: because she's that awful of a person,
0: right? She but, needs to learn. She has a lesson she needs to learn, and yeah,
1: it's it's like um in Creepshow, the the mm-hmm. segment with the roaches, right. Where you where you just want this guy something to happen to him? Mm-hmm. I don't like roaches, but what a jerk! Right? Right. You just wanted it to happen.
0: And Eve is kind of the same way. You 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 know that there is going to be a price paid. Yeah,
1: and and it's it's one of those things where I guess it's like looking at a car wreck where you don't really want to look at it. Because it's horrifying, but you do <laughs> because because mm-hmm. it's a car wreck and you got to see why traffic was slowed down for twenty minutes.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> the interesting part is, is she's given the concoction. the The old wise woman in the woods he questions her again. You know, are you sure you want to do this? I mean, you're so far along. This baby's got a soul. Yeah, and and that's an important part too. There's that aspect to it and it's like this baby has a soul you know what you're getting into right by doing this and she's like yeah 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 whatever you know give me the give me the booze yeah and she turns it up drinks it and she has the most horrifying experience yeah and miss copeland does so well describing this this almost surreal horror going on. Oh yeah, it's it's a uh, it's
1: it's freakish. Mm-hmm.
0: We have to kind of really stop there because You yeah, got to stop. You got to stop at or the, else we're going to give it away cuz it's but it's too good. Yeah. It is but, too good.
1: Yeah, but just be you get just got to know that if you if you made it this far, it's definitely got that, you know, anthology horror show feel mm. to it and and you know something's going to happen you know it's going to be horrible and you know you can't look away and you know you want it to happen right which is the best feeling mhm
0: especially the world. when you get to the end <laughs> you get to the end and the payoff is just like oh my god that is fantastic i know
1: yeah so definitely achieved that
0: yeah i that feel no slight yeah, to any of the other authors, but I'm going to go out and say that this one has been my absolute favorite so far.
1: Yeah, it totally makes me want to go out and read a bunch of DC Comics.
0: <laughs> for better or worse.
1: I like I like those old DC Comics.
0: The final story for this episode is Sweet Grass Blood by Eden Royce. Now, this tale is really strange. Yeah. It is, it is one of those classic sort of macabre tales where you really can't grasp everything that's going on.
1: Yeah. This is definitely like a weird, ta- a weird story, a weird mm-hmm. tale, like proper. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's, it haunts you in a way, the story. Mm-hmm. Um, It's one of those things that it sticks with you and you have to you have to ruminate over it. See what actually transpired. Mm -hmm. Because like it's very short.
0: Yes. But there's a lot
1: packed into this.
0: Yes. There's there's, you could probably we could probably do episode after episode after episode and still not unravel all the layers going on here hmm I mean, And the, theorizing the, over what's actually transpiring.
1: I mean the language used is very um poetic mm-hmm. and ethereal. Yes. And just um I hesitate to even try and figure, to to talk about what's going on in this just because I know I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I know like, like it, it it's weird. You have like some sort of ritual happening, Mm -hmm. right? Where this, uh, woman, there's, it's two, two sections, right? The weaver and the poet,
0: right? The weaver and the poet. And the weaver is a short section. Uh, the weaver is weaving baskets,
1: but, but it opens up where she's like covered in blood. Mm -hmm. She's in a hotel room, I guess, or she has a hotel towel. Right. Um, and she's wiping the blood from her, from her hair. And her hands. Because she doesn't want to get blood on the basket she's weaving out of sweetgrass.
0: And we know that the baskets are for use in a ritual. Right. Uh, we know that she's making a certain number of baskets. Right. And when she's finished with the basket, she gets up, she grabs her stick, her cane, uh, and starts pounding it on the floor. Right. Rhythmically. And- Rhythmically. Uh, And we hear the voices, you know, they're surrounding her, like the spirits, you know, saying you're going to summon the poet. And she's like, I know. Right. And then you cut to the poet. And then we get an abrupt shift and the poet is in the throes of of writing. Right. Uh, And but this particular poet has kind of an ink and brush fetish. Where she doesn't really like writing with a pencil or a pen; she likes to write with a brush and and inks, right, on, on very fine paper, right. almost like a calligrapher or a samurai.
1: I kind of got the feeling that the poet came from like um, some small community, mm. of, of not of Western origin. And that she was, um, in a way, she was bringing her culture to the world, mm-hmm. uh, maybe teaching or just through her poetry, and was being punished for it.
0: She's she's coming out of this tradition. Um, they, they mentioned Creole being one of the languages spoken. Yeah, actually, that,
1: both the languages um, that were mentioned were
0: Creole languages. Mm-hmm. So it would be, I believe, the Caribbean
1: or Probably. the West, or West Africa
0: or West Africa. This is a very vocal tradition, very verbal tradition. and she's coming over and using writing. She's writing it down. she's disseminating you know the stories, the legends, the right. songs to the rest of the world. And giving them f- like permanent form mm-hmm. and giving yeah, putting them on paper, making them last
1: and uh i mean she even says it was to this world i took the old ways recorded them for others to see and hear it was for that and only for that they couldn't forgive me
0: there's there's the deep connection there between the weaver uh and all the spirits surrounding the weaver and the poet uh that she's probably part of this same tradition yeah i mean it could it could be but that she's is enacting
1: her revenge on the poet mhm could be that the weaver is the muse of the poet and, and is um, the, the poet is speaking or the weaver is speaking through the poet and there's mm-hmm. so many ways to look at
0: how this is all oh, set yeah. up and really even though modern technology is mentioned a couple of times there's a certain kind of timelessness like this is all happening in kind of an abstract mythic world because we don't have any characters names we the weaver right, right. is a title P- yeah, you know, and,
1: and that oh, kind wait. of
0: like adds. That kind of adds to the mystique. Yeah, it's kind of like the old, um, the old Greek plays, mm-hmm. where where all the characters were not characters; they were uh, abstract ideas. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know we have the 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 weaver as an archetype. So almost like this parallel universe laid on top of our own, where you know the poet isn't actually a. Poet interacting with the world like a normal writer would. It's a person who's perhaps inspiring other people to write things down, right? And in, in a way, she's kind of a a traitor to these these old and ancient spirits, right? And that, that's probably just another way to look at it.
1: Yeah, I'm sh- sure there's like a, a a gazillion ways to to interpret this. Which is what I really, really like about this because you don't have, it's not a, a story per se. You don't have an ending, beginning, middle setup. Uh, you just have a situation, and the story is basically just laying out the situation to you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it does remind me a lot of those really early weird, weird tales that don't have that, don't have a plot so much as they're kind of like a dreamscape. Like even like uh, some of the old Clark Ashton Smith stuff that that we've read that mm-hmm. isn't a story but it's more like a, of a, a just a feeling, Put mm-hmm. to paper. You know, Lovecraft did it as well. You know, with some yeah. some of his dream sequence stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Obviously, he like the dream that came to Sarnath and that kind of, where there's no like real characters and there's no plot. There's just like a a. Once
0: again, like I mentioned it last week, you get an impression. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. It was a really uh, interesting note to end on. I imagine it would be a different experience reading it at a different time of the day. I read it, like, early in the afternoon. I read it really late at night. Yeah. So I imagine that, yeah, the the kind of the atmosphere around you at the time would really start affecting this, where it really, where the line become of the, the reader and the story start blurring and you just kind of enter this kind of this yeah. like formless plane and shapes and thoughts and ideas drift and it did and it did have that kind of uh that kind of dreamscape like you were saying
1: so good it's a great story oh yeah absolutely i mean and it's the other thing that it does really well is it kind of and i know we there's poetry in this in this volume as well, that also serves to do this that we haven't been looking at. Um, once again, I'll take full responsibility for that uh, because I suck at poetry. But it does serve to like kind of break up uh, just having narrative. Most of the stories in here are are straight narratives. I mean, they're good. Um, don't don't get me wrong because I'm definitely not going to disparage any of them because of what they are because uh, I enjoyed every story that we've read so far. Mm-hmm. Just in in a book that's this big, because it is it's a big book, having something to kind of like take your mind off of, of that um, really helps to to enjoy the the book overall. It's kind of like having ginger or something or uh, kimchi. and kind of just clears your palate a little bit and preps you for, for what's coming up next.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was a great way to end this section of the book. With that said, we'll be back next week with the fifth and final part of Sycorax's daughters. We apologize. And we're sorry that uh, this book did not win the Bram Stoker.
1: We can't apologize. It's so, was. not it our fault.
0: Right. <laughs> you're right. It's not our fault. We didn't, we're not members of the Horror writers association, but you know, It was a great book, and we we think it deserved to win. Uh, Definitely deserved the nomination. And congratulations for at least getting that far.
1: The Bram Stover Awards Horror Writers Association is one of the prestigious um, writers' guilds, I guess, or groups Mm -hmm. um, that's out there. And the awards mean something. So if you're on the – not even on the the long list, the short list for the awards means that – your product, your your book, your screenplay, whatever Is top notch Right so, I, And I can fully attest that This is definitely top notch And it deserved to be where it was I personally think it should have won But you know,
0: then again, I didn't read the other ones So <laughs> <laughs> We're a little biased Once again, next week will be the fifth and final part Join us then Until next time Keep 30 luck points